Okay, guys, I was thinking about monks this week leading up to this episode. I swear I was. Um, And it got me to thinking, which is the most, or at least what is your favorite? I'll just answer it real quick. What is your favorite monk weapon and why? For me, I prefer like a good old fashioned quarterstaff and the versatility that it brings. What, what, what do you guys have? What is your favorite monk weapon? The first thing that came to my head was a shuriken, but I feel like that's not a D&D thing. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, <laughs> they, they exist. They exist. Yeah, 100%. Does a, is a whip a monk weapon? Does I believe so, yeah. Yeah, whips. I don't mind that the damage is a little bit lower on whips. It's the reach and the versatility that a whip provides. Like, I don't mind rolling a D4 over a D8 for a whip because of all of the extra bumps that you get for being a monk anyway. Uh, it doesn't matter, but I like something with a little bit of reach to it. Cool. Don't we all? It's a Mimic, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on classes. I am Terry, and with me today are Megan and Dan, and this episode is called Monks, a predisposition for the tradition of composition, attrition, and repetition. We've previously covered the way of the open hand, way of the four elements, and way of shadow in our first Monks episode, which started off with a breakdown of the regular class features and level progression. In our second Monk episode, we went over the ways of the Long Death, Drunken Master, and Kensai, as well as the sections in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which encouraged players to think about a Monk's Monastery, Icon, and Master. You can find these episodes, as well as our other class episodes, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps, or you can jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on classes that we've built there. So this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast returns to the pages of Xanathar's Guide to Everything to cover the last Monk sub class listed there before looking at the pages of Tashin's Cauldron of Everything to see what the new monastic traditions there are for Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. It's not all punch, punch, kick, kick though, as us panel of Dungeon Masters will discover. So grab your brass knuckles and put on your gi as this episode launches into three more subclasses, as well as the optional class features offered in Tashin's. Dan and Megan, have you ever played a monk? What's the most challenging part of embracing the monk lifestyle? No. I've never really played a monk. They're one of the classes I've I've kind of just never really hit. And most of it is because uh, of my one aforementioned ADHD. I find it very hard to be the reserved, drawn back. I find it hard to get in that frame of mind that a lot of monks, like that hyper-spiritual, quiet, sage-like character that a lot of monks end up being. And I mean, we don't have a boxer subclass for monks. We don't have a more like, western martial artist uh thing for monks really so i don't I've think always... you i don't think you have to play the pacifist if you do a monk though like you don't no, have you, to no you don't you don't but i mean i my, don't <laughs> your monk is basically thor which is yeah. weird <laughs> better just throw <laughs> weapons at things until they stop moving i've never really done one they are like just above druids for the class i want to play the least how dare you so it's like it's like i i i, I really never want to play a druid I don't really want to play monks. I don't really want to play rogues. And like, it just goes up from there. Monks are fun. I enjoy them. You're playing a monk right now, Megan? Yeah. The last like two main characters I've built have been monks. And I'm currently playing one in our longstanding campaign right now. And she's not a pacifist. She's kind of an asshole. Because I don't know. I believe with monks, you don't have to necessarily be following a monastery. You can actually just be religious to anything in the world. So I just feel like you don't have to have that Zen emotional standpoint in life to be able to play a monk 
But um, I do feel the most challenging thing is they don't really pop off for a couple of levels. But once they pop off, they pop off. But I've never played a monk past level four. Mm. So it's been very frustrating because I just start to get some of the cool shit. And then I stop playing that character. So I'm very excited that I'm playing this monk in what's hoping to be a longstanding campaign. So I can get to those later levels and get to the fun shit. Yeah. So, cause like yeah. I just, I have not gotten there with a monk character yet, but I just I really want to really want to. I have never played a monk and my old bit about how barbarians are playing D D on easy mode, I think is even more true for monks. And I think that's what has prevented me from playing them. You know, you get to level 10 in a monk and it basically feels like nothing can hurt you and you can hit everything 20 times. And it's like, for, maybe that'll change if I played a monk. But uh, I like to play too close to the traffic in this game. And if I'm not getting hurt or I don't feel like there's a legitimate threat, then it dilutes the sense of glory for me later on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I feel like I feel like people always forget how often things in D&D fail. So, like, yes, monks are given all these cool things to have all these cool things happen. But if your roles don't play well with you, you're a fucking sitting duck. And if you get hit, you're fucked. Well, so, like... <laughs> and, and to be completely honest this is one of the big problems with monks is they're a martial class that doesn't wear armor that gets d8 hit points right and all of the classes are based off of a, a standard array kind of build and monks they require multiple attributes to yes. be successful right and and good numbers in multiple attributes like you need high strength high dex high wisdom um, not necessarily in that order. Wisdom, Dex, uh, Strength, I guess. If Depends what kind order, of monk you're right? playing. So, And then your D8 hit points, so you also need Con. But when you have a 15, 14, 13, 12 um, before racial bonuses, like you're kind of hooped, right? You're going to be walking into battle for the most part with a 13 AC, 14 AC tops. Yeah. And low hit points beyond that. Like you, you got some concerns as a monk. Yeah. We're level three, I think, in my monk right now. And mm-hmm. she has 12 hit points. How? Because yeah, she, she, she rolled like shit. So like, cause it's, um, we got max at first level. Yeah. It's max. No, we had, yeah. Yeah. We got yes. max at first level. So you got, which is like there. eight. Yes. And then I rolled a three and then I rolled a two, which we, I was able to re-roll. At so I think I'm actually, no, I'm at 14. I'm at 14. You What's your combo? <clears throat> I don't know. I don't have my character sheet in front of me, but let's just say it's low and it's not let's just great. Say it's, let's just say it's a zero, huh? <laughs> let's just say it's nothing. <laughs> But that's the thing is because you're a monk, con isn't the first thing you put your shit into. So your con modifier is technically very low. So even with a con modifier of one or two, your hit points do not increase very fast. No. And and that, that's why barbarians have a massive benefit is because they've got this, the same unarmored thing, but they've got this massive pool of hit points to rely on survivability. Monks have movement. That's all they have. Right. So you got kind of got to hope. Well, let's remind ourselves of the class features of Monk. You guys mentioned that you get a D8 as, uh, as your hit dice. Uh, monks are proficient with simple weapons and short swords, and typically they'll get to choose one type of artisan's tools or a musical instrument, and their saving throws are strength and dexterity. But let's go into their class features with regards to like, what they get at certain levels. First of all, what we need to remind everybody about is key. Your key points, you get as standard 1,000 key points, 
uh, as a monk that you can do. You don't quite get that many, but you get in accordance to what level of monk you are, you get a certain amount. And it always feels like a lot to me. Um, but yeah, but these key points are, are just like what you would use in other classes. You can scratch them off so that you can do certain abilities, um, certain, certain monk abilities. But the first thing to point out is that uh, monks have unarmored movement, which essentially means that they can move an additional 10 feet if they're not wearing armor, which usually they are not. At their third level, they get their monastic tradition, which is their subclass. Third level, they also get deflect missiles, which means they can reduce the damage taken by ranged weapons. They can even take it all the way to zero. They get slow fall at fourth level, which means they can reduce the damage that they take when they're falling. They get an extra attack at fifth level, stunning strike at fifth level, which means they can stun somebody. What's stunning? So incapacitated. Uh, incapacitated can't take actions. Yeah. yeah. Incapacitated can't take actions. Uh, sixth level, they get key empowered strikes. Uh, they get evasion at seventh level, which uh, means that uh, dex checks, if they pass, they take zero damage. If, and if they fail, they take half damage. Rogues also get that as well. Stillness of mind is seventh level, purity of body at 10th level, uh, which means that they're immune to all disease and poison. This is when I start to not like monks as much. Tongue of the sun and moon at 13th level, which means that you can, uh, you can understand all spoken languages. Moreover, any creature that can understand the language can understand what you say, okay? Diamond soul at 14th level, which grants you proficiency in all saving throws. Timeless body at 15th level, which essentially just means that the, the frailty associated with old age no longer affects you. You can still die of old age. Uh, however, you, in addition, you no longer need food or water. Sure. <laughs> Empty body at 18th level, which means you can expend four key points to turn invisible for one minute. And then you get protect self at 20th level, which means when you roll for initiative and you have no key points remaining, you regain four key points. So that's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of stuff that monks get as standard. Yeah. Yeah, monks monks are definitely back weighted, um, especially since they're entirely based off of the key point right. like, mechanic. Yeah, and the more key points you get, the better you are, and you get a key point per level. So right. Hey. <laughs> now, in uh, in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, providing your DM will allow you to go along with it, you also have optional class features that I'll take you guys through as well. So you get a dedicated weapon, a dedicated monk weapon. Uh, so this means after a short or a long rest, you can focus your key into a weapon and, uh, and you can use this weapon as a monk weapon. There's certain criteria that go along with this. The weapon must be a simple or a martial weapon. You must be proficient with it and it must not have the heavy or special properties. Do you think you guys would allow your table to, to use this or are monks already powerful enough? Let's roll for it. Hmm. An eight. Four. Nine. Nine. I go first. Mm-hmm. I would allow my table to use this because there's already so many powerful things going on with monks. I don't see how this is going to break the game anymore. So for this one, for dedicate weapon, I don't have an issue because I, I don't see how this is going to unbalance it any more than anything else. Um, a lot of these optional things that Tasha gives us are uh, I, they're, they're quality of life changes. And I like this. Yeah. Now, the one thing that I like about it, especially is it's really going to aid your kind of more monstrous races more than your typical races, your more common races. I say this because your proficiency stock for a monk are simple weapons, short swords, and that's basically it, right? right. So to be able to have a dedicated weapon, it could be any weapon you, you can, it could be any weapon in the game, basically, as long as you're initially proficient with it. And a lot of the common races don't give you additional weapon proficiencies, whereas the like hobgoblins do, 
Um, I know dwarves do, uh, some elf does, but like this opens you up to be able to use your more racially bent items to uh, as your monk weapon, which I really like. Adds a lot of possibility for flavor. As a Kensai, this is amazing. Um, as a pretty much anything else with monks, it's more punch, punch, kick, kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, less focus on the monk weapons in 5e, but this still leads us to be able to use them. I like it. I, I do. I 100% would let you use it. Yeah, I agree. And especially in playing a monk for so long, I use weapons more than I use my punch, punch, kick, kick. Only because there's sometimes big bads or small bads that you can't get that close to do punch, punch, kick, kick. And it's really nice to throw something. So I don't know. I feel like storyline wise, it can throw in, like tie into the fact that monks are intelligent people and that they're just like, I'm going to go into a battle where I might not be able to punch this thing in the face. I'm going to focus and learn how to use this weapon appropriately so that I can be prepared to assist my team. Right. So I just, I think from a narrative standpoint, I think that's really cool. And again, I throw things more as a monk than I do actually hit things with my fists. So I'm pretty sure you've done more damage from 15 feet away with a mace than you have done five feet away with your fists 100 and yeah. again that's because i'm level one three, three. Yeah. I, i'm not at the point where my punches actually really do anything so you're throwing maces megan yes 100 percent. yeah 100 <laughs> at, 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 at the faces of harpies <laughs> yes. or mid-song tempting my fear bard yes shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what about a key-fueled attack at third level? This is the third level monk feature. You get to spend one key point or more as part of your action so that you can make one unarmed strike or uh, a strike with a monk weapon as a bonus action. Do you think monks really need this update? This is another one where I don't feel like it breaks the game enough for me to be too concerned. Oh, a monk gets another attack? Okay, fine. Like, I'm already I'm already preparing. As DM, I'm already preparing for seven. So, fine. Give them eight it, it's not particularly exciting. It's like, okay, so an optional class feature is they get to spend a key point and they just get to punch me again. Okay, uh, so do, do they really need it? Probably not. Do I have an issue with them having it? No, fine. Give another attack, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't see a point in it personally. So basically, if you spend a key point for anything during your action, you then get to attack as a bonus action using an unarmed or a... Uh, monk weapon attack okay you can pretty much do a bonus action attack anyways after a normal attack action so blah but the one reason why i don't like it is there's not a whole lot of abilities that require a monk to spend key points as an action most of them are requiring key points as a um bonus action right so you spend the key point as part of a bonus action to get you know step of the wind or uh flurry of blows or anything else like that right I guess it's like if you hit it with a stunning fist, you can then go and do this, I guess. But you can spend stunning fist whenever. So this is weird to me. But at the same time, added with dedicated weapon, that second level ability really kind of fully expands on the idea that they're really trying to encourage monks to use weapons, not just rely on fists. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was going to say something along those lines is that it's, again, it's the, let's give them more things to do, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I had this, I would forget to use it. Yeah. hundred percent. Cause there's, cause there's so many other things that give monks extra abilities, extra attacks, blah, blah, blah. This is not the one I'm going to remember. Yeah. Well, there's so many things for a monk to do as a bonus action. Like they're a very bonus action, heavy class. Yeah. So giving them another thing to do in a bonus action is just like, okay. You just worded it differently. Thank you very much. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, what about quickened healing? So at fourth level, as an action, you can spend uh, two key points, and then you get to roll your martial arts die, and you can regain a number of hit points equal to what you rolled, uh, plus your proficiency bonus. Um, so I'll ask myself first, do I like this new ability for monks? I The reason I'm not a fan of this one is it seems, this one seems too light. Like, okay, you get it at fourth level, but the time I get to 10th level is two key points really worth me getting maybe 12 hit points back. Like I might be getting hit for 30 hit points at that time. So if, if I'm all the way down to like emergency in the red, I don't think this is going to get me another round. It's, it, yeah, it technically tops my hit points up, but I don't think enough. I think I'm just going to get knocked out again right away anyway. My counter to that, Terry, is how many times are we down to like the last seven hit points on a character and that's our next three rounds, right? Where we are, we're especially mid to high level where you're on that narrow edge, even, even low level when you've got one hit point left and you're not even the one who's in the highest danger in the party. This gives monks a little bit of survivability, especially when you consider how fast they are, how easy it is for them to hide. Like you go run behind a thing for two rounds, bump up your hit points, and then you get back into it, right? Um, and yeah, it's not a whole hell of a lot, but it takes a little bit of worry away from the cleric or the druid to heal you. So, right. I like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of like the fact that it's just self-preservation. It's like that. It's kind of like the lay on hands for a paladin, but the, at least with lay on hands, you can do it for someone else. So this is very like you are keeping your own self alive for the preservation of your God or for your preservation of something going on in your life, like whatever it is that you're following. So I just feel like narratively, I kind of enjoy it a little bit. So and, that's and why the, I don't like it because it is meant for you. And I like the healing abilities that are really supposed to be for somebody else, but you just use it on yourself, like as a cleric and an empath. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was always good to use my healing abilities on myself, knowing full well, I was not going to heal anybody else in their party. If you want to get healed, be a cleric. Yeah. Well, thinking of the monk that I'm playing right now, I think it's going to be freaking hilarious to be able to just look dead eyed into Dan's character and be like, I'm healed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, that's been the one thing my bard has been good and useful at doing is keeping the party alive. Yeah. So it's just like lots of heroism and healing words. And, and now I'm useless. Yeah. Um, the one issue I do have, and I wish they would have done this with uh, fighters is this, is far more powerful than second wind, especially as you get to higher levels, far more powerful. Yeah, it's an action instead of a bonus action, sure. Yeah, it costs two key points, but you're swimming in those things by mid-level anyway, so what the hell, why, why worry? Yeah, Fighters only get it once, and I think later levels they get it twice tops, right? And it's a, it's a um, hit die plus their con modifier. This is better, mm -hmm. right? This, this will outscale and be more frequent than what a fighter could do for themselves. And it's a core fighter ability. And then Tash has just kind of slid an optional monk ability in there that's better than a core fighter ability. Mm. I'm kind of like, uh, I, I like it for monks. I feel like fighter got done dirty a yeah. little bit. Mm. Not much, because second one's a great ability still. But like, especially with monk being a martial class, it bothers me even more because fighter's martial class as well. So like, yeah. yeah, they got done dirty there. Okay, last one is focused aim. That's the fifth level monk feature. Uh, so... If you miss an attack roll, you can spend one to three key points to increase your attack roll by two for each key point that you do it for. So it could be up to six. Uh, so that potentially turns that miss into a hit. You go in first. Would I allow my table to do this? Uh, look, if, for me, it's going to be a matter of 
what's the cost? If it's going to cause more issues at the table or for a player because I said, no, you can't do it, then fine. As the DM, I will work around it. Do I think it's good? Uh, monks for me are already playing the game on easy mode. I said that already. So now it's just like, not only can they just hit you as many times as they want, but if they miss, now we can just say that they actually hit. What are we doing here? What do we? Where's the challenge in this anymore? So I don't like it. It's out for me. I don't like it either. And I agree with you. It's out for me. My whole thing with this is this just adds another level on spending key. As a DM of currently in my table, I've got six players, six, maybe five. I don't know. I got a bunch of players. Um, I typically run with large parties and I don't have the ability to kind of keep track and uh, for lack of a better term, police their resource management. So I don't know how many key points or sorcery points or uh, uh, battle maneuver dice or whatever they have. I don't know how many inspiration the bard's going. I'm trusting on the players. If you are giving them an ability to just, whenever they spend a uh, point, get a bonus to their attack, Oh, fucking why, right? Especially since a monk, when they hit, they're a death of a thousand cuts. They're not one big heavy hit, right? So you you, you get that one hit to hit. Yay, you do seven damage. That's just time away from the table. Yeah. Yeah, just way too much time spent rolling too many dice for no fucking reason. Yeah. I already hate being a monk and rolling the dice multiple times and failing multiple times in one turn. It's annoying. I don't want to add another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair, fair. Don't worry. That that goes away, right? Uh, Monks just become blenders after level five, right? So make it happen. Yeah, you get you get extra <laughs> attack. You get extra attack, and then with flurry of blows, you're attacking more times than the fighter at that level. So yeah, okay. Good, suck it, fighter. <laughs> Our monk died by a blender, as I recall. Oh my god. She had a foot left. It's fine. Like literally a foot in a boot and a spleen. Or was it a pancreas? I don't know. I don't remember. Hey, everyone. This is the moral center of the podcast, Dan. Now, I know we mention our donate button in every episode, and I know we talk about our fledgling little store that we slapped together in a drunken stupor. I know that times are tough for a lot of people, and I know that it's in relatively poor taste to ask for financial contributions. So I'm not going to do that. I mean, it's not like we have a Patreon and we don't do Kickstarter or GoFundMe campaigns. We haven't even been paid monetarily for any commercial spots we've put together for other products in well over a year. So yeah, all the equipment, web hosting, books, and reference material comes out of our own pockets. Each episode takes about seven hours to produce, and Adam and I both have suffered through sleepless nights, screaming matches, and ever-graying beards and balding heads in order to provide this free podcast to whomsoever might benefit from it. And we haven't missed a week yet. I'm, I mean, sure, some projects are on unforeseen hiatuses, and we had to resort to Zoom calls during the pandemic, but we never missed a regular episode of the podcast. So while Adam and Terry and others would gladly soul whatever minuscule scraps of their souls they have left to beg for donations, I have what is called integrity, honor. I don't want you to go to our website at www.itsamimic.com to find a fancy little donate button or click through the Labyrinthine store that you could find there to purchase its Mimic brand items. Instead, I just want you to know that I love each and every one of you, and that we're currently debating auctioning off Brad's Friday night services to the highest bidder. So let's get back to this expensive and stressful episode and try to ignore the rumbling in our stomachs. Okay, so next we're going to dive into our subclasses. Let's roll our dice here. Ooh, another eight. Seven. 
one. All right. I guess that means I'm going first. Tell the folks at home what your subclass is and take us through it. Um, I I got the class that's making me want to play a monk, guys. Uh, I I looked through this initially. I saw the character art. I saw the character art for the way of the astral self, and I went, "Bullshit! Keep it away from me. No, thank you. I don't want. I don't want a gnome version of Goro from freaking Mortal Kombat walking into my game." <laughs> flexing his real arms and his spectral arms at the same time you just I thought described it was, my dream like, i just thought it was horseshit <laughs> i really i i could not stand it and then i read the class and uh it took as long as it took to read tash's little quip because this isn't tash's um to make me fall in love with the class so tasha has a little note to self here create a spell that lets you throat punch people with your ghost love it Okay, guess what? I'm in. I'm in. You get to throw yeah. punch people with your ghost, y'all. So yeah, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> so, so the way of the astral self monk is your monk that is so studied its connection with its soul and spirit that it can manifest that spirit into arms, masks, or full-blown armor. These, mo- these monks boost wisdom first every single time and are more bookish than their martial cousins, but also pack a mighty punch as the class seems to remove the hefty reliance on multiple ability scores that plague the monk class. Very powerful, very visually appealing, and they are the thing that will make me play a monk. So at third level, you get the kind of key ability, and that's with a Y. Um, This is the arms of the astral self. This is where you get to summon a set of arms as a bonus action for one singular key point. These arms last for 10 minutes, and explode some minor force damage out in your immediate area, 10 feet around your character when you pop them out, uh, causing your any creature within that range to do a dexterity save or take your or take two rolls of your martial arts dice. So whatever that is at that level. Okay. Now, when the arms are active, you can use your wisdom instead of your strength for all strength-related activities, including saves. Okay. So if it requires a strength check, you can instead just do a wisdom check. This is only slightly less powerful because of what monk's base saves are of strength and dex. Um, Being the world of Tasha's where everything's kind of customizable, if you're playing the subclass, I'd let you switch strength and wisdom as your main save. That's just me. Anyways, there's more things you get to do with the arms are out. You can use them for your unarmed attacks. And when you do, you can now reach five feet further than when you normally did your punches. So you now have a range of 10 feet all around you when you have your spectral arms. That's pretty cool. You can also use your wisdom modifier instead of your strength and dexterity for these attacks. So that is for damage and attack bonuses. So it basically removed the reliance on strength for monks, this ability. Mm -hmm. Now you lose them if the timer runs out at 10 minutes or if you are incapacitated or, and it does mention this, you die, which of course, Now, at sixth level, you get the visage of the astral self, which is where you summon a mask of your spectral self that hovers over your face with another key point as another bonus action. This also lasts for another 10 minutes. Now, while this is up, you get 120 foot magical and non-magical dark vision, which means you get 120 feet, see through any magical dark vision or any magical darkness or mundane darkness. You also get advantage on insight and intimidation checks, which I like because you have this ghostly face that is hovering over your face. 
And you have the ability to speak directly to a creature within 60 feet of you so that only they can hear you. Or conversely, you can uh, speak to everyone in a 600 foot radius. This thing will amplify your voice as this massive 600 foot radius boom. Basically, mic check one, two, one, two, right? So uh, that's what you get at sixth level. At 11th level, you get the body of the astral self. There's a theme if you're picking up on it. You have the arms, you have the head. Why not get the rest of it? When you have your both of your visage and your arms out, the body comes with, with no additional action or key required. It just, if you spent the bonus action on your arms and then you spend the bonus action on your um, visage, you get the body at 11th level. Now, the spectral armor covers your body and connects the arms and face, making you more look like the X-Man armor than anything else. Now, when you have this armor up, you can deflect 1d10 plus wisdom modifier, acid, cold, fire, force, lightning, or thunder damage as a reaction, and you get to add an additional martial arts die to the damage of all of your attacks made with the spectral arms, okay? And that's just straight up. That'll last 10 minutes with the other visages. Okay. Now, finally, at 17th level, you get the awakened astral self, which is where you can spend five key points. So a, basically a third of your available key points at this point as a bonus action to get the full astral self in one go. Now, this is everything together for 10 minutes, but also has some added power. Then this now, uh, the full astral self gives you a bonus of plus two to your AC straight up and allows you to attack three times as an attack action instead of the two you would basically get with extra action. This gives at level 17, your monk roughly five attacks around typically. This guy is basically a monk who's like a counter barbarian in my mind. Um, I see them as quiet, reserved and insightful, almost with a flighty hyper spiritual feel to them only to explode into spiritual armor the moment a fight breaks out almost every bonus to this subclass gives is to combat other than the sheer awesomeness of busting this out during a social encounter with that bonus to uh insight and um intimidation now gotta say this way is clearly designed to punish fools in ways every other monk subclass has ever dreamed of they are incredibly proficient in combat with high armor because, I mean, you get you add your wisdom modifier to armor anyways as monk. So you get high armor, high survivability as you're deflecting all sorts of damage, and you do a bunch of damage on top of it. Now, for an insight or two into what parallels can be here uh, into our real world, I mean, I mentioned earlier the X-Men armor, who is a uh, Japanese... X-Men, a Japanese mutant in the Marvel Universe who summons a spectral armor around herself, like kicks the shit out of Wolverine multiple times with it. So thumbs up for that. But I'll even accept like Ripley from Alien as another example in her big like lotus of the suit. mech suit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, just make it spectral. So yeah. if you have like a, uh, a rock gnome, make it like this gears and uh, steampunky mech suit that he just summons as a monk. I would also possibly accept Delsum from Street Fighter, um, especially with like that range extension, because uh, yeah. there's nothing really saying the astral self has to be purely spectral. Mm -hmm. I, I I would love to see like a maybe a hag-like version of this that when you summon your spectral form actually kind of breaks reality a little bit. Now limbs are extending supernaturally that when they don't need to, and you just have this horrible uh, appearance as you go. 
Um, your skin can grow bark like armor when you get the full 17th level stuff. Like you could flavor this in a lot of really fun and interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Now, as I mentioned, the party role for this guy is fighting. It's all the fighting, but also has a little bit of interrogation to it with both the visages advantages on insight and intimidation, um, which leads to a very specific path of social encounters with, with those abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's the way of the astral self. That sounds pretty cool. Love it. We're going to roll initiative and I'm going to ask some questions. Let's sure. roll initiative first. So we know the order. I got another eight. All I'm rolling 20. is eights. I got a 20. And that 20. I also got a nat 20. Oh, okay. That's the second time we've <laughs> rolled the same number today, Megan. Roll again. Am I rolling off the desk? I rolled a five. You got a 17, <laughs> so whatever. I mean, That's I'm going fine. first. Again. That means you're going first, Terry. All oh, right. I'm just going to ask myself questions all night. Uh, first question is going to be what stats, race, background uh, clearly synergize well with this build. I will focus on race and I will say the opposite to the obvious because you kind of want to go like Goliath like you kind of want to feel that strength and brutality it just seems to happen so naturally but I think the more fun way would to be to go the opposite I would do this as like a goblin or something where especially and and that came to mind Dan when you said like the counter barbarian so I, my mind went well like what's the opposite of like a barbarian it feels like a little goblin kobold uh, and- <laughs> <laughs> kobold would be better thinking about it can you imagine can you imagine uh so yeah so i think it does synergize well because i think um you know it it adds an air of like ferociousness to something that you can build in with flavor uh that would work well i would like to see a cobalt or or a smaller race played with this Mm -hmm. yeah megan i'm i was looking into backgrounds for a couple of different styles of monks. And for like the obvious ones for this would be like a soldier or a folk hero or something that plays into like the, the rough and toughness of this kind of monk. But I wanted to add like the courtier background, I think would be hilarious only because in my mind, I'm thinking that someone like this is probably the protector of a noble, which means they have to have some kind of social aspect to them. So having the courtier background, which gives you insight and persuasion um, as well as gives you the ability to wear fancy clothes and, you know, just be a little bit more noblesque feeling without actually being a noble. I just felt like that would be a really cool background to tie into a character like this. So Did you said the, the ability to wear fancy clothes. Yeah. Because well, because monks normally are very mundane. Normally, when you think monk, you think Monday clothing, you think just like, you know, the bare bones, like that's what you think of. Sure. Um, whereas like if you I feel like the courtier adds a little bit of a, a shine to it. Gives you the ability to do that without feeling like you're against your faith or something. And and let's be honest, there are some people who could pull off looking good in like fine art, uh, fine clothes and like jewelry and everything. And then there's people like me who yeah. would rather just oh, be wearing yeah. a graphic t-shirt and like torn up jeans, right? A like, tank top showing off your guns. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, this is just because I got a new tattoo. That's it. Yeah. I just I had to play that out for you. I believe everybody <laughs> can look good in fancy clothes, Dan. That's the whole point of them. That's the whole point. I don't uh, know. <laughs> um, personally, I, I I looked into different lineages here for for these guys, and the one that really spoke to me was a water genasi. They get the bonuses to Constitution and Wisdom. They've also got like a swim speed and uh, can breathe underwater and minor magical abilities like shape water. This guy has a really cool water bender feel to him. Mm. Um, and I think that accomplishes it better than the uh, way of the elemental uh, monk. 
that we saw that's in the player's handbook. Like there's some really cool things you could do. And with Janassi being basically the offspring of genies, your astral self could just be a reflection of the type of genie that you come from. Right. So um, I really liked that idea and guild artisan for background, just because if you're going the other direction and being a little bit more mechanical with it, um, this is giving you your armor smith artificer without being an artificer. Sure enough. I love it. Uh, what are the strengths of the class when it comes to role playing this subclass? I'm going first. I would, this is a tough one for role playing, right? Because it's, you know, if you want to steer away from like the typical type of monk, I mean, what do you do? I mean, something speaks to big dick energy, I think, with this one. Because yeah. Yeah. Because the astral self is is contained and then it's let out when it's time to let out. It's not on show all the time. It's not like a barbarian that is showing their their cards essentially everywhere they go. This is very much internal until it's time to show it. So you can walk around with an air of quiet confidence, I think, that may be off putting to people if it's not immediately obvious why you're so confident. Mm hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is the kind of ability or the kind of person that you can role play that has certain contingencies or things that have to happen for it to be released so like a set like so like a paladin who has an oath can't fight until xyz or this one i can't use this ability or show this off until one of these things happens um just to kind of give it a little bit more flavor and feel less like i am just a rough and tough brute right yeah. um but i feel like this one does really play into the fact that you do not have to play a pacifist to be a monk yeah this is yeah. like the one that really breathes hard into you can be a dick yeah. and play a monk that's what that says to me but yeah for, for me, I, I view this guy as like the third ringer when it comes to a role-play encounter. Like you, you are always support. You're very loyal to your friends and your friends never doubt your loyalty to them. Um, and, and, but you get to that stage where like, you're trying to find out information and, you know, the bards tried to charm and, and it's the creatures made all of its saves. Right. Um, and the, uh, barbarians gone in and just been big and blustery with it. And the, the monk goes, just leave me in the room with it for a minute, right? And pulls forth this spectral horror, which scares this thing like shitless, right? Um, it's one of the reasons why if I'm playing one of these guys, I, I agree with you, Terry. I want to go with one of the least intimidating races mm -hmm. um, just to amplify the intimidation when it comes out. Yeah. Right? So um, these guys, I, I don't see them as being the central, like this isn't the main character, Right. I, I would see if you're if you're playing one of these guys like um, you're going to be relying a lot on backstory and stuff you've created to give your character that drive forward. The class doesn't supply a lot of that to you. Um, so, yeah, um, I, 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 I think they're more of an intermediate skill role player kind of class. Don't play one of these as your first characters if you're an experienced uh player play one and have fun with it right yeah. Go, get weird please yeah. please get weird well with that do you think there's any oversights or mechanical imbalances uh, i the only oversight i would say and it may not actually be an oversight it may be very deliberate is this subclass is based around one thing right it's the the astral self sort of coming out every, every little class feature is based around the one thing so it seems a little um you know it seems just a little bit sort of one way. Uh, so if you're looking for a variety, this isn't the subclass for you. However, I don't really see that as an oversight. It's just a, a weakness that was probably known from the start. Yeah, I was going to say that it's only like, it's a little bit difficult when you have something that's so hyper-focused. 
Yeah. Uh, especially with monks, because you have to put so many things in different areas, like to Dan's point really early on that monks have to have points in everything just to even function. Whereas this feels like you're going to be putting your points in a lot of one area. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the whole point of this subclass is to be like, yes, you can like do everything if you want to, but this is really driving you into doing one specific thing really, really well. So again, to one of Dan's points, you would, in my mind, have to be a stronger role player for this one because mm-hmm. you would have to have a reason for what you're doing. Otherwise you're going to be bored as hell. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's, it's, you're just be doing all of this cool shit for, for no reason, if you don't have an emotional attachment to why you're doing it. So I think that that is not necessarily an imbalance or an oversight. I just think it's something that needs to be thought about. Yeah. 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 You definitely need to be aware of it. Like I, I, I sit there and I go, um, you have so many other abilities for combat with these guys where if you're playing that strategic game you're playing that more tactically focused campaign then yes play one of these 100 these these things are going to shine in every single combat um but if you are playing like a like one of your legend of the five rings style games where if you're fighting something has gone horribly wrong yeah um don't play one of these uh unless you have some very strong role-playing chops or a group that will help foster the role-play. Yeah. But even in, in like an L, like an L5R situation, this would be a badass character that does not pull out their shit until it's needed. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it's a great scene when it happens. Right. Like that's that this would be a really great L5R character to do that in. But again, yeah. you'd have to have a little more of experience of when to pop off and when not to pop off. So yeah. Beautiful. And that, uh, anything else, Dan, that we need to add for that uh, subclass? Nope. Perfect. Who was going second? You are. It was me? Mm-hmm. Oh, I have the way of mercy. That seems so unlike me to have this. <laughs> <laughs> that is not, that is not how I operate at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's do Tasha's uh, quotation here first, because it. Uh, I think it needs to be done first to fit the theme. Tasha's quotation is plague doctor. Some looks never go out of style. I disagree. I hate the plague doctor masks. They're so played out. <laughs> yeah, they, they can be done. I hate, I just hate poorly executed looks. Uh, something, uh, my girlfriend says this actually. She says, it doesn't matter what the look is that you're going for. You just need to do it well. Whether, whatever kind of look, it's poorly executed looks I don't like. I don't like lazy looks. Uh, so yeah, even the plague doctor though, you're right. It is a little bit played out. Um, so monks uh, with the way of worst, way of mercy, their whole point is that they they manipulate life force and they are traditionally seen as people who are kind of like plague doctors, I guess, and that they're they're like wandering physicians or maybe some sort of religious folk. They're expected to be seen as like kind of aloof or have some sort of disconnection from the rest of the living world, but still perhaps have this sort of demeanor of self-importance as well. This, uh, as I go through the subclass, you may agree or may not agree with this. This idea of the plague doctor, I think, is like a suggested flavor, but I don't think that's the way that you need to go down. Nothing else about this subclass leans into that, other than that is just what is suggested uh, from Tasha's. But but I really didn't see any other any other parallels with it. Well, it's it's kind of like the the astral self being an astral projection. Mm-hmm. Like it's a suggestion, and it leans it leans into it in the description but there's nothing really saying that it has to be big translucent glowing blue arms that spawn out of you right right um they they can take other forms right absolutely 
So for class features at third level, you get Implements of Mercy, which provides you with proficiency in insight, medicine, and, and herbalism kits as well. And then you also gain a special mask, which is used in the other features of the subclass. And you can determine its appearance. There's a random table. It can be a, like a raven or, or black and white or a skull. Like there's lots of other like obvious ones, but you can determine what the appearance is of it. So there's not too much to that. Hand of Healing is there is a is another third level class feature. As an action, you can expend one key point to heal a creature a number of hit points equal to one roll of your of your martial arts die plus your wisdom modifier. And during a flurry of blows, you can replace one unarmed strike with the use of this feature without expending a key point. Hand of Harm is third level as well, is you can use one key point to deal additional damage with an unarmed strike, which is equal to one roll of your martial arts die plus your wisdom modifier, and you can only do this once per turn. Sixth level, you get Physician's Touch, which means that you can end one disease with the use of the Hand of Healing, and you can also end one of the following conditions, blinded, deafened, paralyzed, poisoned, and stunned. And when you use the Hand of Harm, you can subject one creature to the poisoned condition until the end of your next turn. Cool. So, sorry, what counts as a disease? Um, there are many magical diseases in the Dungeon Master's Guide that kind of detail out what uh, their exact uh, rules are, and they yeah. vary greatly amongst them, but they're basically uh, fail a save and suck. For- well, because I, I remember that, like, um, was it, like, lycanthropes and stuff like that? Like, was that technically a disease? No, and, no, okay. that's a curse. That was a curse, uh, okay. There, there's a difference between disease and curse that yeah. is a hard line in 5e. I just had a moment where I was like, uh, that seems pretty broken. If you could just be like, oh, you're no longer, like. <laughs> well, just- this this is lay on hands. Paladins yeah. get to do this too, right? Yeah, so it's not as broken in my brain as it is when yeah. I understand what diseases are. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> Anyways, go on. Not enough regular diseases used in D&D for my liking, guys, you know? Okay. <laughs> yeah. How, why aren't there just scores of barbarians and bards riddled with syphilis and gonorrhea? What the hell? <laughs> Someone just bring in COVID-19. Just bring it just in. having a nightmare of like insight <laughs> checks over this gnome for like an hour trying to figure out what's going on. Turns out he's just got Alzheimer's. Anyway. <laughs> Can you rid some of Alzheimer's now as a monk then? Yeah, you just, you just touch them and they, they, they remember the past. That's your pilgrimage, just to ruin people's lives by letting them remember their past. <laughs> Rife in my family. We've dealt with it at least four times, so looking forward to that. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> uh, 11th level, Flurry of Healing and Harm. So you can replace each unarmed strike and Flurry of Blows with Hand of Healing that I just discussed without expending a key point. In addition, you can replace one unarmed strike in Flurry of Blows with Hand of Harm without spending a key point, though you may only use Hand of Harm once per turn. Hand of Ultimate Mercy, I believe this is the 17th level one. As an action, you can touch one corpse of a creature that has died within 24 hours, and you can then expend five key points to return them to life. The fuck? Huh? The fuck? The creature regains 4d10 hit points plus your wisdom modifier. And if the creature died, blinded, deafened, paralyzed, poisoned, or stunned, those conditions are removed. You can only do that once per long rest as well. I mean, still. <laughs> I know. It's, it's powerful. So as an insight into like unique flavors that uh, this subclass kind of offers, I feel like this allows a refreshing non-combatant role for a monk. It, this does not feel like you need to be, be like front and center punching constantly it allows like a fast and mobile battlefield support for me as opposed to just being like a damage dealing bullet and i see this as 
this is a player sorry this is a this is a character that you can play as a leader of the players not necessarily as a leader of the characters so if you are an experienced player that is playing with a lot of inexperienced players this is a, a character where you will know what position to put yourself in to best support the others right because as a monk you're already very mobile you've you've got great movement but your your monks typically rely on being able to touch the enemy or touch their allies so, so if you know how to play a monk well you can put yourself in the correct positions for everybody else you can make sure that you're in the right position for the rogue for his sneak attack to work because if he's new he's not going to be thinking about it you can make sure you get back to the center of the map so that you can access everybody if you need to heal them or if you need to uh use hand of harm on, on an enemy but this is not a character that would be used for an inexperienced player i think this is uh, more for an experienced player for parallels for the real world or pop culture, I just think forget this Plague Doctor thing. Okay, yeah, technically Plague Doctor, I mean, it heals Plague Doctor, I get it, but I don't think you need to dive into that. It's a loose grasp. Um, I see this as more of like a battlefield medic, like a like a traditional battlefield medic because it relies on touch to do it. And uh, yeah, as far as the, the, uh, the party role goes, I feel like this is like more of a leader of the players, but not necessarily leader of the characters. The characters can have a different leader, uh, but you as an experienced player would do very well to, to lead the players with this one. Okay, should we roll? And I'll ask questions. Let's do it. I got a two. I got 16. I got a 14. Am I going first again? You're going first again, Terry. Yeah. Man, I never get to go first. Now it's when I'm DM, it makes no sense. Uh, stats, race, background, clearly synergizes well with this build. I'm going to go with the obvious on this one. I think Wood Elf makes perfect sense. You need to be mobile for this. If you're going to have feats as well, add the mobile feat for extra movement, add the sentinel feat, because that's going to help you manipulate the enemy in the battlefield. But if you, this relies on touch. You must be able to touch either the enemy or your allies. So you got to be able to move. So Wood Elf makes perfect sense for me. No, again, I was looking at more backgrounds for like the different styles. And I felt like for this one, I wanted to do something like an outlander. So um, basically just being there, a person of survival. So learning how to survive, not only like in the wild, but of course in my mind that can tie into how to help people in the battlefield and be more of that battlefield person because they get athletics and survival. So the athletic kind of boosts their ability to be as mobile as possible, move around, do what they need to do. But they can also like hunt, they can do traps, um, they can do all that kind of stuff as well, right? So they're just like, a, they're basically like a Swiss army knife tool. Mm -hmm. in, your, in yeah. your party right yeah. yeah um i i like the fact that we have a class that is another healing option however there is there there's one thing about the class that i think is i mean we'll uh, we'll get to it with the overlooks there's one little funny thing about how this class works that bothers me but we'll get to that in a moment um for race or backgrounds um i'm with you terry mobility is key here so i want to see like uh, uh again i guess a water genasi would work well with yeah. the swim speed but you're a field medic. So your ability to get in and out without any harm is uh, great. So you're, you're stacking decks before pretty much anything else here. Um, you are, I would say, multi-classing into maybe some, like maybe a life cleric, just so you get that little bit of additional boost with your, with your uh, hands of healing. But um, man, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of really cool options you could go with here. Any race that gives you uh, either the ability to ignore difficult terrain or additional speed, um, I'm 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 using that for one of these guys. Yeah. Okay. What about strengths of the class when it comes to to role playing this subclass? You know, for me, this is a 
this is for instigators. I'm an instigator type player. I mm-hmm. like getting myself in situations. I want to dance too close to the traffic. I want to see if the electric fence is going to shock me. I want, and but when you're a monk, particularly this type of monk, where you have extra healing and disease control as well, and condition control, you're in a position where you're strengthened if you like to play your game that way. And so if you're an instigator, this is a good subclass to be because you're pretty sure that you will survive most situations you may get your party into. If they survive or not, that's up to them. But if you like to dance too close to the traffic, you're pretty safe with this subclass. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel you can go really weird with this one, like from an awkward standpoint with your like a weird dynamic with your team, because yes, you're a healer, but I feel like you would have this weird innate wanting to understand what's happening to the human body when it's breaking down or being injured or if magic has an effect to it. It's not only are you going to be there to heal and be the medic, but you have this weird scientific need to understand what's actually happening. So you can have this weird creepiness where somebody gets cut or someone gets injured in battle and you spend more time with that person because you're interested in the fact that they are injured because you want to, you want to watch the healing process. You want to see how it goes. You're documenting it. You have books, you have charts of how the body works and how it's going to heal and what different types of magic have and what effects have it. So it's like, I know it's kind of fiddles onto like the witch doctor nonsense, but more just the side of I'm interested in seeing this heal and knowing what happens. Right. I think you can get really weird and creepy with it. Just fascinated with it. Yeah. (laughs) Where normally I, I, I'd be on board with that. No, what I'm going to talk about it right now. One of the weird aspects of this is a lot of this is based off of being able to heal as part of a flurry of blows. Yeah. Which means you are just, you are speed bagging an enemy and then backhanding your ally as part of the, that like rapid attack yeah. and making them feel better. It, it It's weird to me. You're like, wham, wham, you're good. Bam. Right. Like I, yeah. I don't <laughs> understand why it's so like central to the flurry of blows. Also, what does the mask actually do? It says that you use the mask as part of the other abilities. That's right. It does say that. And then proceeds to not use the mask yeah, as a part of any of the that. abilities. And they have a background now called faceless that it does pretty much the same thing, like has the same kind of description of what it is, but it really doesn't do anything. So it's... <laughs> okay, fun flavor. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with the random chart for fun flavor to the class, but don't say it benefits the mechanics without benefiting the mechanics. Yeah. This gives me Jackie Chan in Rush Hour vibes with the, the healing with the flurry of blows. You know, the chaotic fight scenes where he, he's like strike, strike, and then kind of turns around and like repositions like Chris Tucker and then like goes back. Like he's always trying to do two or three things at once. Or like rubs a sore muscle before he keeps fighting. It's like he's not just concentrating on fighting. He's concentrating on other things. It gives yeah. me that vibe. The fact that you can do things in the middle of your flurry of blows. Yeah. 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 Super it, it, focused. It just seems peculiar to me <laughs> that it, it's it's saying you can do it. You can do it whenever you want. If you punch a dude, you do extra damage. You punch a dude, you you heal them. Um, but you could also do that at rapid fire. It yeah. seems bizarre, man. It seems real bizarre. Mm-hmm. Uh, any potential oversights? Uh, the oversight is that this still everything relies on touch. And as a DM, you, you try not to be biased, but you try to challenge your players. And so the obvious challenge, if you have a monk in the party, is to, is to do something, not where you're preventing them from touching the enemy necessarily all the time, but you're making it much more challenging for them to touch the enemy. And if you can't touch the enemy, it's another class where you're you're useless. Or indeed, if you can't touch your allies, if you're a distance from them. So yeah, the oversight is everything relies on touch. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Especially if you have a player like a team that is all ranged characters. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, the joys of the fact that monks can move around and they're a lot faster and they have like they can move like depending what level you are, you're a lot faster than the regular character. If you have like a wizard and a rogue and all the other characters that are going to be like 150 feet away from you, like you are quite useless whereas like you would be quite useful in a party that's like your paladin and your fighter and your barbarian like you would do really really well in like that kind of a group setting so i feel like this is one where you really have to kind of see what kind of team you are playing with for this to work out in your favor and actually be fun to play 100 you're going to be running laps shuttle runs up and down yeah 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 if you have a high spell caster and ranged player in this uh in your party don't play this right like you're you're going to be the one who's going to be taking all of the hits and you're not set up for that you're not the healer like no. you're not the healer you're not you're not you're not one or the other you're like this weird in between so yeah. you almost have to have something to help you it's like you're you're not your own standalone character yes yeah. yeah and and you are you are specially designed to piss off the cleric <laughs> right like um just just to make the cleric player feel underpowered at the thing that they like even if you're a life cleric you're doing massive heal heals right and they're yes life clerics are better healers than these guys yes but this thing at 17th level to spend five key and get a resurrection out like what the what the shit is that yeah. <laughs> right uh, oh you could only do it once a day i spent five key and raised a dude back to life with like 60 hit points what the hell the cleric sitting there trying to do like some kind of a ritual and then the monk's just like yeah <laughs> yeah right and and the and the cleric sitting there you know with like how long their... it took me to get this diamond so yeah i could do the same thing <laughs> like the, we're missing the fact that exactly terry like there's a there's a 1000 gold diamond requirement for for uh resurrect so like what what the hell like raise dead requires this massive diamond this guy could just look at it and be like have a little bit of my essence in your back yeah like fuck man okay you're jesus now cool <laughs> right like mexican no no hey, you have a with a hard j <laughs> <laughs> all right if y'all want to reach out and ask questions or just throw us some mailbag questions or give us ideas and thoughts or really just want to chat you can reach out on instagram facebook or r slash it's a mimic on reddit you can also email us at info at it's a mimic.com what was that local radio Southern voice that came out? You're welcome. I got to stop. Y'all. <laughs> Up next on WKRC hey, in Cincinnati. Don't miss the rodeo. You're all just. Hits I've been from watching the 80s, 90s and us. I've been watching Cheer on uh, Netflix. Oh, so, um, I'm so yeah. hooked on that. It's so good. <laughs> it, 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 they're they're phenomenal. It'll make you feel lazy real quick. I used um, to be a cheerleader one day. Did you really? Day. Yeah, um, about 10 years and 50 pounds ago. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were I was, so a, fast, I was a stunter. I was a I was a base, not a stunt team. Were you really? Yeah. Man, sometimes I find out people have like got this stuff that they used to be really good at. And I'm like, yeah, me, I used to be good at stuff as well. There was nothing. <laughs> that one thing that I did that one time. There was that yeah, that I was never, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to be covering the way of the sun soul, which is pretty much exactly as it sounds, that basically their ways of meditation can harness their inner light of anything and other living beings, and then they just throw beams of light at people. Gross. So they're just very radiant, very beautiful, very bright, you know? Yep, just like me and my whiteness right now. It's just great. Um, <laughs> but basically, you can find these in the Xanathar's Guide to Everything. This is not Natasha's one, so... 
But when I think of them, I think of this as the holier than thou monk. They're beacons of light, you know? But yeah, let's break it down. So at third level, you get um, the radiant sun bolt, which is basically shooting bolts of light at people. It has a range of 30 feet and utilizes the dex mod for the attack and damage rolls. And it starts out with a D4 for radiant damage, but it does increase with every level of your monk. And then furthermore, if you do actually use this special attack option, you can use one key point to use it again as a bonus action. So you can like pew pew, two bolts of light. Um, but yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> the other bonus thing in this is later on when you do get your extra attack feature, you can use this attack in any of those attacks. Basically just this gives you a radiance ranged attack that you can use in your flurry. You could use anywhere. Anywhere. So it just, you cool. just random bolt of light. You can punch, 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 bolt of lightning, punch, punch, bolt of lightning, punch. Like you could just throw light at humans or yeah. beasts or monsters or what have you. And then at six level, you get the searing arc strike, which is basically described as a wave of energy. But mechanically, it's basically it, when you take the attack action, you can use the burning hands spell. Subsequently, if you increase the amount of key points that you use, you can actually increase the spell like level. Oh, so cool. okay. one key point per level of spell. So it can increase pretty quickly depending on what level you are as a monk. And then damage wise, just to give you guys a reminder of what Burning Hands is, is it's actually a cone of fire of 3d6 damage to start. Um, it does have a deck saving throw, but it's half damage uh, even if they pass. So this is an auto damage spell, no matter what, already start at like level six. Unless someone has evasion. Exactly. But then every uh, increase in level is an added 1d6. Cool. So it's just an increased burning hands flamethrower that yeah, you have. If, if you blow the 11 key points at uh, to cast a ninth level burning hands, you're doing 12 D6 fire damage in a 15 foot cone in front, a 15 foot cone in front of you. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. At 11th, uh, 11th level, you get the searing sunburst. Um, this is your classic sun giant. I call it the spirit bomb. So you're basically channeling all the radiant energy around you and throwing it at someone in the form of a, basically a fireball. Yeah. You're, you're coming, humming, humming things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This this is a dragon ball Z move, like a full stop, but it has a range of 150 feet. So it can go quite a distance and then it explodes into a 20 foot radius. This is literally a Kamehameha. Like this is, this is a blast attack from a fighting game. Right. So it's a constitution saving throw to avoid it. And then it is 2d6 damage, 2d6 damage. But you can, of course, increase it with key points. And each key point increase is an added 2d6. Wow. Yes. And then, but you can only do a max of three key points. That's still 66. Yeah. It's still quite a lot. Well, because the, ba- well, the base is two. And then if you increase it by three, so it's the highest is eight. That's still a lot. And it's 20 foot radius. So a 40 foot blah, on a battle map. You're ex- at 120 feet, you're just hurling this. It's better than a fireball in my mind. Like, oh, oh, uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. Uh, and then at 17th level, you get sun shield. So basically, you become the sun yourself. That's how I'm going to describe it. So you are a grow- glowing person that radiates bright light of um, 30 feet radius, and then dim light for another 30 feet. So you're just annoying the hell out of anybody with dark vision. <laughs> And if someone was brave enough to attack you while you're sunshiny and bright, you could actually use your reaction to deal five plus your wisdom mod of radiant damage. Um, and then you can extinguish this or restore it using a bonus action. So you don't spend nine episodes charging it like that on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. Ah, and you get the little thing around you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're, this is a Dragon Ball Z character. 
It is. So that was going to be my pop culture references. This is your classic anime character. Yeah. Like this is, if you want to play in the Dragon Ball Z world, you can play one of these. And it just makes sense. Cause not only are you a monk, you're punching, you're hitting, you're kicking, but you're also throwing balls of light at people. So this is that character for you. So I am regretting my monk and not doing this. <laughs> I mean, technically we haven't played at third level yet. So no, I, I have some choices to make. To you have some choices to make. Yeah. But I don't know. I really do like these guys because like it, it adds a little bit of ranged fun to your monk. And yep. you're not again, you're not reliant on the fact that you have to punch, hit and kick everything. You can actually utilize your internal abilities for other things. And I feel like you're not hyper focused into something, but that's mm. just me. But yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Let's roll initiative. Let's. I got a 15. Seven. 16. Oh, I'm going last this time. Megan, you're <laughs> going first. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's race background that uh, synergizes well with the build. Um, so for these ones, I would want to have some kind of like, I feel like this is a monastery kind of background that you would want to have. So definitely the feeling of coming from a church and being a religious folk. I feel like I would want that for this character. I just think that that's something to really play into, especially because they're bright and sunshiny. And I feel like that amount of power has to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely want to play into that background. I don't really have a choice race for this one. I feel like you could do pretty much anything. I think an obvious one would be like your class. I would just do a human with this one, but that's just me. <laughs> I like classic humans for most things. So yeah. Um, like but yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'm I'm going to show my nerd here a little bit. Uh, Go down. I I think uh, you've shown it by now, Dan. Uh, yeah. Three years of, of being involved with the Dungeons and Dragons podcast, I'm about to get nerdier. Um, my whole introduction to role playing at all was uh, born from my love of Dragon Ball Z. Uh, so I was involved in a role playing forum on Yahoo back when I was like 13. You're also aging yourself right now. I'm also, I'm also <laughs> aging myself severely what where, is where we would describe back and forth battles uh, of Dragon Ball Z characters. Man. Yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, Terry got off the mark, right? Okay, cool. So I, this, this was so bad to the, to the point where there was this little piece of art right around the time when Dragon Ball Z, or sorry, Dragon Ball GT came out where the character Krillin was in like a zoot suit with his little hat and everything. And I loved the image of this uh, character from Dragon Ball Z who was a mobster. And and he's like the farthest thing from a mobster. He's like this tiny little dude who's a Buddhist monk. He's got no nose for some reason. I forget why. But like there's, there's, there's animation. (laughs) So like, I like this guy. So my hot, my, my email through most of my teenage years was Don Krillin at hotmail.com. Like I, I, yes, I, I, I lived and breathed this. I would love to play a halfling monk. That is this in homage to my favorite character from Dragon Ball universe, which is Krillin. The ball of light would have to be a destructo disc. It would have to be a destructo disc. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I hate to show my nerd right now, but technically GT isn't canon. I, I, well, I know now (laughs) it's not, it was at the time. Right. But uh, it, it made me seeing this class makes like 13 year old Dan on like the fledgling Internet. Very, very happy. So, yeah. Like Terry, I have no idea what either of you are talking about. <laughs> at all. Like I'm trying to trying to grasp at something that I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Human. Like I think. Um, OK, for me. 
this the character it will require a lot of discipline i don't think this can be like off like your drunken style monk or whatever or like the no. the one who's like lost their way and as they go they're like anakin skywalker or whatever this needs to be a highly disciplined person i agree with megan this like monastery background um some kind of devotion like devotion, this. yeah yeah, yeah. This, this needs to be a disciplined uh character for me well like um, i go probably do it as a human the reason being that i think we require more discipline when we're short-lived right where our yeah. uh, sense of mortality is that much more obvious we're always trying to leave our legacy and build these things and you know that when something is more long life like a you can do this as like a high elf because i don't feel like the same level of discipline is required mm-hmm. I, I i don't know about that because if you're playing in the forgotten realms a high elf is a sun elf and then th- immediately that leads into this, right? With yeah. with that be that having the worship of the celestial bodies of the sun. Um, I think if you go into the lore of a lot of the races, you could have some interesting uh, things mm-hmm. here. Either a going Asmir, because why not? You're celestial oh, blooded. Yeah. Why wouldn't you have this? Right. Um, or Tiefling for the inverse, right? And and have your infernally fueled Tiefling being able to produce radiant power. Like that's that's a really interesting character. Um, I also really like the idea of dwarves being these guys because I mean, shit, dwarves get bonuses to con and wisdom. Sure. They're monks. They're great monks. They monks get bonuses to speed, which is like the main negative of playing a dwarf. So, like, yes, do this guy. But a dwarf who is fascinated with the sun would be such a pariah in his community, especially if they were mountain mountain dwelling dwarves. Right? You're underground all day, and all this guy wants to do is see the outside. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I there are certain like if you go into the lore of the races, you could have find some really interesting points um, and and work your way away from the Dragon Ball Z anime nerd um, from the late 90s. Like Megan. Shut up, I. Dan. We're going to do it. Come yeah. on. Yeah. You know that my current monk is built off of Dragon Ball Z, right? You know, 100 percent. 100 percent. You have a four letter name that has a uh, sound in it. Like, yes. I'm sorry, and I worship a green dragon. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're gonna just start calling it Shenlong. Then is that is that the plan? Or I changed I changed all of their names slightly. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> Terry's completely out of the loop. Okay, so is Adam. So <laughs> Adam recognizes that I am staying on topic. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, I mean, he's not editing this. He's not gonna listen to it. <laughs> In your opinion, what are the strengths of the class when it comes to role playing this subclass, Megan? Uh, I, I think if role plays into the devotion part, like mm-hmm. you are, you are who you are. This is what you focus on. And this is what you are, right? Like mm-hmm. your God is what you follow. It's going to be easy to role play that you have a way, right? Like you haven't, it's almost like, um, wanting to play, uh, a, sorry, what is it called? What is the fucking word? Lawful good character. Yeah. Right. Like this is going to be your lawful good character that you are going to play and you can use your devotion to play into it. Right. So this can be one of those characters that's an asshole to play with because of being like lawful stupid. So just be careful of that. But I think that because it is also a very high damaged character that there has to be a reason behind why you're hurting something. So I think that that's going to be something that you're going to have to tie into it too. Yeah. Yeah. There are no strengths to the class with role playing with this one. Like Astral Self had a little bit with the bonus to intimidate and insight. This doesn't even have that. The, you can make it what you want it. That's the strength. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's true. You're not pigeonholed into any one path. Playing the boisterous Vegeta works, right? Playing the more reserved Krillin works. I mean, whatever you do, as long as you're a Dragon Ball Z character, you're fine. 
Darius like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Anything about Dragon Ball Z. There's too much. I don't have the time to invest. Do I invest time into Dragon Ball Z? Tell me honestly. Am I gonna you, be- you, no. you are you are uh, a, a a adult in your early 30s and a professional. Don't it will consume your life. Dan, I'm only in my early 30s for one more month. I'm 34 next month, which means I'm, I'm then mid-30s, technically. I remember when you turned 30 and the existential crisis you had. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, I remember when I turned 30, Dan, and then COVID happened, and I was robbed of my early 30s. And now, <laughs> coming out of it, I'm 34. Like, so don't even talk to me about this. I'm about to be in my mid-30s, bud. Like, calm down. <laughs> or sorry, my late 30s. Calm You're down. 30s. I'm 26. I hate you. I'm not, but that's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> but you could pass for 26. I you guess. could, right? Oh, thank like, you. There was there was a moment that I was like, wait, maybe? Absolutely could. not. No, I'm not. Reason, for some reason, the left side of my face is aging so quickly. Like over the past two years, I think as the obvious stresses that everyone's going through is as added to this. But I was looking in the mirror the other day and I was like, oh, I'm 73 on the left side of my face. So brilliant. Anyway, role playing. I think whatever you choose, when you have something as exaggerated as this character is, it, it gives you direction. It's something to stick with. If you have a subclass which is a little looser, you kind of stray around a little bit and you're not really sure where you stand on some things. And it's like, even with like the way of mercy that I talked about, okay, kind of what form does that look like? But when something is as exaggerated as this, I think whatever you choose, whatever line you go down, and mine would be kind of devotion, lawful good. uh, It's, it it gives you direction, which is easy to stick with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oversights or mechanical imbalances. Megan. I don't know. I think that it's just balanced. I think that it's a good way to give um the monks the use of ranged abilities without having to deal with weapons um so like in for instance you're talking earlier about how there's a lot of things being added to monks to utilize the fact that they can now use weapons therefore be more ranged capable i feel like this balances that out where you wouldn't need the weapon additive you can actually be a punch kick hit character as well as a ranged character so i think it's pretty i like i think it's balanced i like it yeah um i i agree with you like i mean Remember, this is a Xanathar's class. So this one came out before um, all of these fun little options and tashes came out, right? So um, this was solving the age-old problem with monks where you have no armor, you have low hit points, and you have to be a melee. This solved that, right? You are now, you can just sit there and throw energy blasts at things as much as you possibly want, right? As long as you got the key to do it. So um, that fixed this. So I, I, I... in terms of oversights, I don't think there are any. Um, the I, I actually kind of feel like a lot of the classes in Xanathars are just far better designed than a lot of the other classes um, yeah. that we get in like Tashes, because Tashes are just like just that step above in power. Um, I feel like Tashes is solving problems we didn't know we had or really cared that we had. And 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 Xanathars is solving problems we all knew we knew had. We had. Yeah. So uh, like I, I I really like the way of the Sun Soul um, and. If you lean away from the anime and and try to build a really compelling character uh, based off of uh, lore, then it's really, really great. I, I, I really would encourage that. But if you like the anime, there's nothing wrong with that either, to be honest. So mm. I, I, I like it uh, in terms of oversights. I don't think there are any. I mean, you're not pigeonholed into any social situation, um, but wisdom is going to be your main stat. And charisma, as with all monks, is most likely going to be your dump, arguably with int. So mm-hmm. 
monks never have been a very social class. So, I mean, it whatever worked for monk works for these guys uh, in a more, you know, bottlenecked way. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any real mechanical oversights. It, it is just monk, particularly a subclass like this, I think can be very difficult to play because you'll have to follow one particular direction with regards to like devotion or whatever you do. And that just means that you're just naturally not very flexible when it comes to role-playing or like fitting in with other people or, you know, like bards, it's easy. Rogues, it's easy. You know, monks, it can be a little bit, can be a little bit harder to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like to, like depending on which way you choose, right? Like yeah. this one feels very much like you are going to potentially play a lawful stupid character where there yeah. are other monk ways that don't feel like that, right? Whereas this one does. So, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay, creative builds. Let's roll initiative again. Mm-hmm. Got another eight. 14. I got a nat 20 for the second <gasps> time. Son tonight. of a bitch. All right, Terry, what's what's your creative build there, my friend? I'm going to stick with Way of Mercy. I think I would like to play this uh, this subclass because it would be challenging for me because I would have to uh, I would have to be responsible with it. You know, you got to move around, maybe <laughs> mobile. You got to be a field medic, and I've never I've never done this before. But I think I'm at that point in my D and D career where my D and D tenure where that would be a good challenge for me. But I would do it as a I would do it as a protector ASMR because that means okay. you can also fly. So that will add to your mobility by uh, making it 3D now. Not so, Aarakocra? No. Do I? Do you th- would I like to be a giant bird, Dan? Do you think I would like to be a giant bird? A Dan? giant bird that's just walking around smacking people to make them feel better? I don't know. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah. Not At least for, for one shot. No, for me. No, for me. Uh, no, Protector ASMR for sure. Protector ASMR, Way of Mercy. Uh, yeah. So lo- lots of mobility. But you know, that mobility is not necessarily spent on trying to kill the enemy all the time it would be a new challenge for me to be completely in a support role uh i mean previously i played a support role but didn't really do that uh so yeah background background i've never really worried too much i use background more for flavor like i would maybe do as like an urchin or something where it would just help me with how i role play the character more than the the support and the buffs that i get from it but uh, yeah protector asmr wave mercy urchin background okay Mm -hmm. megan so I'm going to say two now, because I also chose protector ASMR, but like, That's I felt cool. like I thought it would fit very well into the way of the sun, um, monk because angel glowing nonsense. Plus, sure. can you imagine fly speed shooting lightning bolts of light down to the ground, but then with the courtier background to give it more of that social aspect, because you need to be, and you have to have a presence, right? So I chose that. But if I wanted to go more the anime side of things, and because I also feel like ASMRs are those characters that your DM may not let you play them. So it's one of those things, if you want to play an ASMR, definitely talk to your DM because they can be pretty broken depending on what you do with them. But I also would like to go the route of like warrior nun, um, kind of like vampire hunter with a warrior. Yeah, basically, but like with a fire genasi. Cool. Oh. right so like whole, whole, full on just flames instead of just light like you're just you give off the light because you were just one big flame yeah, so you basically are, you are literally engulfed in actual fire fire oh, all yeah. the time as an older character as well don't be like young beautiful nun no be, be like the nun the movie yeah be, be like the, the matriarch yeah absolutely there's just 100 and because like with the monks again age doesn't 
give you any deteriorate for your capabilities. But yeah. physically, if you're in a group of people, you would look like the old frail, like dying nun. And they're like, why are you carrying this around with you? And it's like, okay, well, here's my display of power. Right. Yeah. Why, like- <laughs> why, why are we carrying her around with us? Cause she flings fire from her hands yeah. and is just incredible. Like, come on. <laughs> like, I just love the idea of like starting off in your group. Like, you know, when, before you show that power off, and you'd be like, oh, I'm this is weird, creepy old nun. It's like, okay, well, I'm gonna light everything on fire now. So excuse me, pardon me. It's like this clear, clear the air here. I'm gonna throw a fireball 150 feet. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Dan. Uh, uh, Terry, I'm sorry. Uh I did not do this with with you in mind, but um rock gnomes sure. have this ability called Tinker, and they create these little itty-bitty things that are just pointless mechanical little things okay playing a way of the astral self rock gnome who um is just absolutely fascinated with his tinkering right and i really want to lean into the tinkering with this because then he basically creates voltron for himself whenever a fight starts he grabs his little tinkered creations that all have their own um effects that generate these hard light illusions that are your spectral self right so like he just has these things on him and he hits them to create his uh, uh, thing, right? And I would flavor absolutely every monk ability this guy has as a quirky little mechanical thing that he can do, right? Um, he steps up the winds, he clicks his rocket boots together, right? Like something like that. I would love to lean into that with this guy. Um, and he's a guild artisan. He's... Uh, kind of weird and bizarre i but is is just a happy-go-lucky guy that's like look at this fun thing and all of his trinkets only seem to ever work for him right so um you created iron man yes but i mean (laughs) this is i okay uh the cat's out of the bag i don't really like the artificer class um i i like the fact that we have another intelligence based spellcaster of sorts and and artificer is not really even a spellcaster um, I mean, they are, but different. Um, but this is a way to do that as a monk that is far more flavorable, uh, flavorful than um, literally building and having the mechanical like rules inserted. Like you could, you could really have a lot of fun with what your astral self is supposed to be because it's ill-defined, right? Yeah. So uh, whereas artificers, you are kind of hamstrung into a lot of things because they are oddly defined in the weirdest ways, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going back to this where there is a clarity in the ambiguity of astral self that I really, really enjoy. And there is an ambiguity in the clarity of artificer that makes me want to step back, Mm -hmm. right? So um, a a rock gnome, way of the astral uh, uh, self monk, that is just a little tinkerer. And all he has is these fun little gadgets that he plays on the battlefield. It would be lots of fun. You make this guy the, the, the maybe go sage with him even. So he's kind of the information center of your party as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Just roll with it. Right. You get that bonus to um, con and you get a bonus to int. So, Hey, r- run with it. Love it. I hate it. Any final considerations <laughs> before we wrap this up? Monks are fun. Play them. <laughs> I, this makes me want to play play a monk, like specifically this gnome character. Um, I'm playing a guy who's taller than pretty much everyone in the party, 
except everyone in our party are massive fucking monstrosities. We need a small character. And I'm like, maybe this guy, if my character dies. <laughs> so however, I play, if I play a gnome two campaigns in a row, it'll, Megan herself will choke me out at the table. I would, so, 100%. Not, yeah, so maybe yeah. not. Maybe not this campaign. You know how long these campaigns go on for, Dan? You know? one, one of these days we'll make characters that actually like each other. One of these days. I legit tried. Then you just made like the uber bitch. I did make a bitch. Yeah. She is is kind of a so and she's a monk. So (laughs) So that's all for this discussion on monks for now. We've got a lot more ground to cover with lots of other classes and subclasses. So subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights will have for you in the future. Next week, we'll finally be returning to the newest base class and looking into the only subclass for Artificer that didn't come from Eberron. Thank you for listening to another episode of the It's Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we do have a donate button on our website at www.itsamimic.com, as well as a lovely store with a bunch of awesome merch on it. Now, we also rely on word of mouth to get news of the podcast out there to the community and the world at large. So please pass the word on to everybody you know that we're available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thank you again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. Are you guys meditative people? Do you meditate? And if so, what do you do to meditate? what uh, okay what constitutes meditation that's up to you that's what i'm asking okay uh should we roll for it sure Uh, i'll roll again (laughs) i got a 19 so i'll go first i got a 16 um so in my uh therapy uh sessions that i've done i've been told that i need to like really encourage stuff called like mindfulness i am a fairly scatterbrained human being the 15 minutes to actually get this call off the ground as an example of that um so being able to take a break and experience some sort of mindfulness or meditation is incredibly rare for me so um i like to turn my brain off and funny enough that is either playing video games or watching a show or um reading a book or something is, is kind of, I need to escape is what I feel like, which I know is not healthy. So I'm, I'm not good at meditating. I wish I was better at it. If my ADHD was under control, I probably would be, but, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely something I want to do better at. Um, but don't really know how to, so yay, fun. I mean, I mean, if like your idea of meditation is supposed to be something that's mindful, then that is a very difficult thing as a human to do on a regular basis. I yeah. also, I also just shut my brain off and that to me is my meditative state. And that's usually watching stupid TV shows, like too hot to handle. Like that's how I shut my brain off. Just I, fill it with trash. I <laughs> turned that on once and felt immediately terrible for like our race is doomed. Why is this a show? And yeah. turn it off. It's because of people like me. That's why. <laughs> Thanks Megan. You're Thank welcome. You. What about you, Terry? Uh, I'm, I don't meditate in the traditional sense. However, I'm definitely a, a visualizer. I believe a lot in visualization. And I think a mistake that people make with visualization is they visualize the end, the glory, how it will feel when I do this. But I visualize the process and everything I'm doing. Even if it's like a run, if I'm going to run 10 kilometers, I will visualize at the third kilometer, I, I will feel like this. And when I do, I must do this. By this time, I will feel like this and I must do this. 
a conversation, if I have to have a difficult conversation at work, if they say this, I will be prepared with this. If we go down this way, I, I will go down this way. So I'm big on visualization uh, and, and planning out the process for things. Sound like work. <laughs> well, it, it can be. Hey, it's work. It's pay now or pay later in life. True. And everything, so yeah. that's it. You're not I'm, 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 I'm absolutely terrible at list making. So like this is one of the reasons why I'm good friends with Adam is because I always just go, okay, you make the lists and I will get the shit done. And that's how our two paths work very well together. You love a good spreadsheet. <laughs> I, 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 Adam will attest to this. I get legitimate anxiety looking at Excel, Excel spreadsheets. Mm. Like he'll be like, I've, I've broken down this podcast for the next 17 years um here's here's what we're going to be doing in year 16 in june i've got i know what we're doing and i'm like why <laughs> like anything could change any anything <laughs> beyond two weeks from now is a guess so yeah. whatever brings you comfort yeah i guess adam makes spreadsheets that's what adam does that's his meditative state <laughs> yeah yeah it's probably it's probably not far off it's probably a flow state for him that he gets yeah, in yeah. for sure yeah uh, it doesn't matter, but I like something with a little bit of reach to it. Cool. Don't we all? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I just wanted to say it. <laughs> that was a penis reference. Dan. That was a penis <laughs> reference, Megan. That's what that was. Yeah. I didn't have to say it, so. <laughs> Someone just flushed a toilet when I mentioned water genasi, which is weird. Give me a second for this to stop. Oh, pee genasi. Write that down. <laughs> no, don't write that down. Gross. Burn that piece of paper. <laughs> Toilet Absolutely not. <laughs> Toilet water only. Sewage. <laughs> Sewage Genassi. <laughs> it's like a uh, earth and water Genassi got together. Be more water elementals in sewers in D and D games. Odiog, uh, man, look at look at what an Odiog is. They're literally a shit monster. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We've <laughs> never said the c word on this podcast. And we I, have. I'm I pretty sure I have. have. That yeah. was the before time. We don't count that. Like, it's, it's my word i'm allowed to use it <laughs> moving on please as well as the optional class featured officer fuck just go you're, from as well so well it's it's tough uh so just take it yeah so take it from shut up dad i'm trying to tell <laughs> what do you think i'm going to do next <laughs> Next week, we'll finally... Jesus Christ, heaven and hell. Fuck shit. Here we go. Oh, my God, Terry. Yeah, going to edit it out. Oh, funny. no, he'll probably throw it on the end. Thanks for listening. Bye.